Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard on this Tuesday night as we get set for the World Series. Again, I'm saying it. It's real. But it doesn't feel real. The Phillies are in the World Series. They'll be down in Houston against the Astros on Friday for Game 1 and Saturday for Game 2. we got a lot to talk about here, including a great guest coming up right now. Sean Pendergast, kind enough to give us a few minutes tonight. He hosts down at our sister station in Houston at 610 Sports Radio, 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. One of the morning show hosts down there. Willing to give us a few minutes tonight to talk about this World Series and what they're thinking about the Phillies. Sean, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Joe. How you doing, man? Well, we're doing great. The Phillies are in the World Series. I mean, it's funny, Sean, the last time these two teams faced each other, obviously, was the last uh, you know week of the season. At that point, the Phillies hadn't clinched. They were the last one to get in the dance, and they're here now. Before we get to the Astros, what is the perception you guys have of the Phillies? Because I could tell you, Sean, here all summer, we doubted if they were any good until they got in the playoffs, and then here they are. Yeah, I will say this. The, the, the celebration on the field at Minute Maid Park making the playoffs, we want that to be the last celebration that you guys have on the field at Minute Maid Park because we've experienced that already in the last couple World Series, uh, a couple World Series ago with uh, Washington winning a Game 7 here uh, in 2019. I think the perception of the Phillies, I think normally, Joe, we, you just look at the records of the two teams in the regular season, uh, 106 wins for the Astros, 87 for the Phillies. I think that's the biggest delta in the history of the World Series. Um, this is about as stacked an Astros team that we've had here, certainly from a pitching standpoint. There's guys that haven't pitched in the postseason yet that won double-digit games for this team during the year. Jose Arquiti won 13 games. He hasn't pitched in the postseason yet. Like it's, That's how deep this team is. I think normally the perception would be that this thing's going to be a walkover. That the, that the Astros, who are undefeated in the postseason, are just going to roll right over the Phillies. The problem is we have National League East PTSD from 2019 and 2021 with two similar teams with sort of similar profiles to the Phillies. You know what I mean? Like the, the Nationals in 2019 were kind of floundering midway through the season. The, the Braves in 2021 were kind of floundering midway through the season. And then they get to the postseason and they take out the defending National League champ and they come in and they beat the Astros. So I think Astro fans and certainly players on the team are on heightened awareness and are not looking at the regular season record of the Phillies at all. We got our hand over that in analyzing this series. I think there's a lot of respect for the Phillies. Sean, how good is this Astros team compared to the other ones? I mean, this is a remarkable stretch. I mean, really one of the great stretches in baseball history, watching a team go to the ALCS every year, you know, for, for years now. Another World Series trip. It's interesting kind of looking at the team and watching them all year. It feels like this one, maybe more than the others, just driven on pitching more yeah. than offense. How would you compare this one to some of the other great ones that you guys have watched the last five, six years? This is the best one, and I think because of the pitching. Offensively, this one is not as good as the ones in 2017 and 2019 when George Springer was still on the team and he was leading off. Um, and last year's team was very good offensively. Look, this year's team is very good offensively, but by Astro standards, from what we've become accustomed to, it's just kind of good. Um, there's holes in the lineup. You know, they get nothing out of the catcher position. Center field has been an enigma all year. Yuli Gurriel has just started to hit – in the postseason, he was terrible this year, and he won the batting title in 2021. So there have been some holes in this lineup throughout the season. Um, so offensively, it's not as dangerous a team. And I think I know they're seven and zero in the postseason. But if you go look at those games, it's the pitching that's getting it done. This pitching staff, Joe, is absurd. 
it is ridiculous. It's and it's not just Verlander. It starts with Verlander, but Framber Valdez set the major league record for quality starts in a row in the regular season. He had 25 quality starts in a row this year. And the bullpen, the way these Astros, man, developmentally in their system, and the, they get these pitchers in their system, and they're able to turn these guys' situational relievers into elite level, uh, you know, just elite level guys that can just get guys out, you know, ask the Yankees. So. It's the best team largely because of how deep the pitching staff is. Sean, how great of a hitter is Jordan Alvarez? I know he didn't have a great ALCS. Yeah. They probably pitched around him a little bit. Just watching that, that uh, first series against Seattle. I mean, th- this is going to be fun watching this because we have Bryce Harper on one side who's on an all-time run, and you got yeah. Alvarez on the other. I mean, these two are two of the most dangerous hitters in baseball. No doubt. Uh, the, and, and Jordan Alvarez is – more than just a power hitter. And he's been that way since he came up in 2019. They got him for Josh Fields in a trade in 2016 from the Dodgers, like a situational reliever the Dodgers needed. And Jeff Luno, the GM, then got him for Josh Fields. And the guy might be the best all-around hitter in baseball. You'll see uh, this series. You know, Jordan did not have a great series against the Yankees. But for a guy who's, you know, he looks like just a big power hitter, and he is, but he's so disciplined at the plate. And he's able to go with pitches and hit to all fields. He's he's just he's a delight to watch. You know, and on top of that, the, the discipline at the plate and the eye that he has. And oh, by the way, he can hit at 480 feet. You know, with a 118 mile an hour velo as well, like he did to close out that game one comeback against Seattle. He's he is awesome. You're right. I like as a fan, you're hoping like you get the Bryce Harper from the NLCS and the Jordan Alvarez from the ALDS against Seattle, and that's a heavyweight fight right there. Sean, the managers in this series, I think it's interesting. I'm sure Fox will highlight this. You know, Rob Thompson, an interim, he waited his whole career to become a manager, and it kind of happened by accident because they fired Girardi. And then the other side, you have a guy like Dusty Baker who's done this so many times, and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be that kind of can they win one for Dusty. I mean, I'm not sure how much longer he has left, but another great year. You know, t- tell us tell about Dusty, and um, do you think he's close to the end? Is he coming back next year? What's the, what's the thought there as the, the Astros try to win one for him? The word is he's coming back next year, and I think everybody in Houston is pretty happy about that. Dusty's very popular here. Dusty navigated this team through really treacherous waters uh, in the wake of the sign-stealing scandal punishment. Like, that was a really, really difficult task he was given to just step into a clubhouse, albeit a talented one. Like, he, you know, he, he, so he stepped onto a talented, into a talented roster. That's good. But the situation he was navigating with the punishment and the vitriol in the middle of a COVID season, uh, he's very popular here. As far as his legacy, look, I mean, I think everybody knows Dusty. This is the last thing he needs on his managerial resume is a World Series championship. Like, he's got everything else. This is the last checkbox for him to fill to, to make him a lock cinch to get to Cooperstown as a manager. He may deserve to get it already, but a, a, World Series, a World Series for sure would get him there. I think the thing about this one is, you know, again, Joe, like, it's almost like the baseball gods have conspired to make it look like this should be a layup for Dusty, right? I mean, you got a 106-win team that's sweeping its way through the playoffs against an 87-win team that wouldn't even be in the playoffs had they not expanded the playoffs two years ago. Um, and, and with a super deep pitching staff for the Astros, home field advantage, everything else that you need, you know, if he doesn't get it, this is going to be something that he gets criticized for again the same way he did all the way back in 2002 with the Giants when he had a five-run lead in game six to close out a series, and the Angels wound up winning that thing in seven. So 
Um, we're rooting for Dusty here. I think people around baseball are rooting for Dusty, and that is no doubt one of the biggest two or three storylines of this night. We're talking to Sean Pendergast, uh, 610, our Odyssey station, sports radio down in Houston, kind enough to talk to us here uh, on the evening show. Sean, you mentioned that the Astros haven't lost a postseason game yet. Has that become a talking point among you guys? Have, have the players commented on it? Because, I mean, you have to go back to the uh, the 76 Big Machine Reds for a team that yeah. swept their way through the playoffs. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that we'll have a competitive series here, even if the Astros do win it. I, I'd i be surprised if Phillies got swept in this series. But has, have the have the Astros started been asked about this? Because it's, uh, it's obviously pretty rare. They're definitely getting asked about it, and their answers have been good in that they've pointed out every time, like, look how close these games are. You know, like these games, and, and it's true. You go, look, they're not blowing any of these teams out. You know, they're not they, – the Yankees, other than the 5 nothing game in game three, they're all close games. All three, Seattle could have won any of those games that they played in the ALDS. Um, so I think they're taking it more as just, hey, look, these games have all been close. We're not taking anybody lightly. The fact that we're undefeated and our run differential is, you know, not, not that impressive for a 7-0 and run speaks to how good they've been situationally, speaks how good they've been in close games. Uh, and I think you can ask any Yankee fan. You look at those two games in Yankee Stadium and what opened the door for the Astros in each of those games were errors by the Yankees. The, the Bader dropped fly ball in game three, left the door open for the Chaz McCormick home run, and then the just catastrophic botched double play that gave the Astros, you know, gave the Astros life and eventually led to Alvarez and Bregman back-to-back RBI singles, and then that was curtains in that series. That is my word of warning to Philadelphia. You make <laughs> play defense. Make your routine plays, because if you don't, this Astros team pounces every single time. So uh, they put the ball in play. They don't strike out a lot. They're a really good team for all those little things like that. Yeah, well, you just hit on my biggest fear, Sean. The Phillies aren't. I mean, this is a beer league softball team uh, yeah. that makes a lot of mistakes, and they, they usually out-hit them or find a way, but I – yeah, that that's my fear is the Philly. If I had, if I can map out how the Phillies don't win, because how they do is is pretty simple. Their starting pitching and their bullpen, their their best arms kind of dominate, and they get a bunch yep. of home runs from Schwarber and Harper and Hoskins, and they win, uh, kind of like the 2019 Nationals did in a sense. But if they lose, it's because their defense, their their third and fourth starters, and kind of the underbelly of their pitching staff that undoes them. Sean, if the Astros don't win this, if the Astros lose to the Phillies. What happened? How did the Astros not win this series? I think it'll be because they, they, they go through one of these lulls hitting-wise that they've actually been kind of plagued with at times during the regular season. They've had some spells during the regular season. You go look at their schedule and their game log, and they, they, they stand out pretty easily. They've had, they've had stretches where, as a team, collectively, they haven't hit very well. And if you look the way they were living in that Yankees series, you know, they, they were – they were not getting anything out of Altuve, out of Alvarez, out of Kyle Tucker. Those are the three guys, everyday players, that made the all-star team this year for, for the Astros. Those three guys didn't do anything in that series. It's really no way to be living to count on Yuli Gurriel and Chaz McCormick and guys, you know, Jeremy Pena was the MVP of the ALCS. Now, Jeremy Pena may just be a guy who's a really good player who's ascending that belongs in that mix with the Bregmans and the Altuves of the world. We don't really know. He's been hitting the ball really well. But I think, to answer your question, Joe, if they lose, it'll be because the pitching you talked about with the Phillies, that the Phillies were able to kind of take that top-heavy pitching that they've got. We're really good with Wheeler, uh, really good with Nola, a few of those relievers. And, you know, and for the World Series, 
So are you able to cobble some things together and pitch guys in weird spots like the Nationals did with Scherzer a few years ago against the Astros? And they're able to shut down the Astros lineup. That's how the Phillies win this thing. Last one for you. Sean Pendergast from down at 610 Sports Radio in Houston. I, I was reading a story today. Uh, Mike Petriello, MLB.com, was trying to find the weak link in the Astros pitching staff. And, and kind of by the end of the story, you realize he can't. There is no weak <laughs> yeah. link. Let uh, me know when he finds it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't. But for you, of the Astros pitching staff, at least you know the guys you project to, to be active for the World Series, yeah. Give me the one. Is there, is there one guy that I could feel like, all right, maybe the Phillies could get him? Is there one guy, either not pitching well, been a little wild? Like, who's the – if there is a weak link, who do you not want on the mound? Tie game, game four, Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, I, I think that, that a couple of the relievers, um, Rafael Montero, you, none of these guys that you're going to look at, none of them have bad numbers. So you're, you're right. Like, that's the, the exercise of trying to find the one. Oh, yeah, here's the guy with the – 4.92 ERA, you're not going to find that guy. And if he's there, he's not on the roster um, for, the, for the World Series. Rafael Montero, setup guy, has been a little trafficy. Uh, Hunter Brown is a name. He is their number one prospect who they've called up in September, and he is a, just an amazing starting pitcher, but he obviously doesn't crack this rotation. So he's been sort of a one-and-two-inning reliever for them. He got a little sideways in game three against the Yankees and, and left the game with a couple runners on base, and he's a rookie pitching in the World Series. Like, he, he did look like that ALCS might have been a little big for him. Um, so a few of those guys, you know, Brian Abreu is a middle reliever who has amazing stuff, but he's a little scary at times. And even Ryan Presley, their closer, who's been great this postseason, he's, he's not a dominant, dominant closer. You know what I mean? Like, he's not a hammer. He's a really good pitcher who happens to pitch the ninth inning for the Astros. So – I would say the bullpen is really good statistically, and they're really good. They're, they're just really good. I mean, you're asking how a 106-win you know, team is going to lose a World Series and what the flaws are in the best pitching staff we've ever seen. And I'm telling you, like, if there is, that's probably what it is. But I don't know. That it's, it's obviously not something you can count on, you know? Yeah, when it's tough to find a weak link, I guess that's how you win 106 yeah. games. Sean, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, enjoy it. It should be a lot of fun starting off Friday night. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. A lot of a lot of uh, Philly folks going to be invading because we got Thursday night football next week too down here. Yeah, we're taking over. I'm I'm coming down for game one and two. I won't be there through you know, through the football game next week. But yeah, we're we're going to be invading. So just watch out for all these uh, crazy Philadelphia fans, Sean. That's all right. I, I my my mom's side of the family's from Philly, so I'm I'm cool with it, man. It's all good. There we go, Sean. Appreciate it, man. Have a good night. Be good. There we go, Sean Pendergast from down at six ten. Uh, sports radio down in Houston. So he um, he even struggled to find a weak link. Though he mentioned the bullpen, it's not you know they're all good. But like, what were the names he mentioned? He mentioned Hunter Brown, Hunter Brown, the rookie pitcher who's now in their bullpen, who kind of had an ERA of point eight nine this year. Okay, he mentioned uh, he thinks Ra- uh, Rafael Montero is is just been okay lately, whose ERA is two point three seven this year. And he mentioned Ryan Presley, their closer, who he said is a good closer, but not like a you know one of the top guys like Edwin Diaz. You had a whip of .89 and an ERA of 2.98. These are their weak links. I think you also mentioned Brian Abreu. His ERA was 1.94. He did mention him. Yeah, I mean, you look at... I, I just tweeted it out. You look at their pitching staff. They had 18 different guys throw 10 innings this year. Mm-hmm. None of their ERAs were over four. Everyone on that team that pitched this year had a sub-four ERA. Well, I guess that's a you have a team ERA under three for an entire season pitching in a bandbox. I mean, that, that's that, left and right field. You can hit home runs there. Yeah, I mean, look at their how they stack up against the other AL teams. Number one in ERA. Number one in shutouts. Number one in saves. 
number one in hits allowed, number one in runs allowed, number one in home runs allowed, number one in strikeouts. Yeah, it, it's they're uh, seventh in walks though. If you're looking for a, a weak spot, well, I mean the Phillies have some guys that will take their walks, right? Uh, between Schwarber and Hoskins and Harper, they they will be patient. That 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 if I mean we're looking for little things, right? Little, little silver linings that could get the Phillies. Uh, to win this thing, I mean, but the biggest thing is they need their pitching to pitch well. They need the most innings they could get locked down from Nola and Wheeler and Alvarado and Sir Anthony, like those four, and, and Ranger. Right, we'll throw Ranger in as, as the fifth guy. Like they have to pitch as many innings as possible, and then the, you know leave the rest for the other guys. I mean, I'm still amazed that they won Game Four. I wonder how many postseason games in history a team went down four nothing in the top of the first and won the game convincingly. Can't be Benny. Well, the Padres did it like three days earlier to the Phillies. Yeah, but not to, they weren't down four nothing on top of the first. No, it's the top of the second. I guess it was second. The Phillies had that inning. It just feels like it's like you're taking the air out of your tire. You to get your starter out of the game. What? How many uh, guys did fall to retire? Any? Two. two. So you got two outs, and Clevenger got none. Right, he got none. Like they keep winning. They've won the the bullpen game in each of the last two series. That's I mean, they, they've stole. Like it's funny because they went what one and one in the Wheeler and Nola starts this series. Yes, and those are the games that we expect them to do. Or I guess two and one because Wheeler got a second start. Right. But their ability, I think, to to score early has really helped them because the Padres have a pretty good bullpen. They they have guys. Like Nick Martinez and obviously Josh Hader, who I don't know why they even paid for his flight to Philadelphia. He could have sat at home I can't in San Diego it. and contributed just as much as he did in the series. Their ability to get early leads and kind of take guys like that out of the series has been huge for them. They did the same thing against the Braves. I mean, they jump up early and it gets to a point where you're not wasting Josh Hader down 8 5. You're not wasting Nick Martinez or Will Smith when you're down two runs in the eighth inning. Of course you're not. Yeah, and then I, I, I mean, Melvin's decision not to use Hater on Sunday was, re- I mean, remarkably dumb. I mean, his, and his excuse after the game he wasn't ready. He wasn't. You, you decide when to get him warmed up. Also, he was warming and watching the game and being at the game. It felt like Suarez was stalling. He kept stepping off the mound. He wasn't going. They they came out and had a mound visit. I really thought they were stalling to bring Hater in. I thought there was no way in hell. He would actually step on the mound and throw a pitch. They traded for this guy. He's one of the, the biggest imp- – like, there's not many relievers that are impact guys, right, that change the game because they come in and strike everybody out. Like, he's one of those guys. That, uh, our last guest just mentioned the Astros don't have any of those kind of relievers. They have a lot of good ones. Nobody like Hater. He pitched one inning in this series. Imagine if I told you before the series started, the Phillies would win the series and Josh Hader would throw one inning. Like, it, it's like, what what are we do? What are they doing? I mean, it's, I'm glad, glad it happened. The Phillies – Won the series, or Bryce Harper had a moment to remember, but that is that's insane. It reminds me of the Zach Britton thing. I mean, every once in a while, a, a manager will just kind of twist themselves in a pretzel. The best thing about um, Rob Thompson is he hasn't had a killer mistake. No, and he's almost done the opposite, where he's gone for the kill in every game the Phillies have had a chance to, right? Yep. I, I remember, you know, dating back to, to game three, where he really bled the bullpen dry. Having Sir Anthony go two innings, having Alvarado throw thirty pitches, use Eflin as well, and everyone thought, "Wow, you're going into a bullpen game without your three best pitchers." Guess what? They won that game anyway. That partly because Connor Brogdon got seven outs, which was huge, and and something we don't really yep. talk about enough. But his ability to just keep going out and playing every game like a game seven is what helped this team win. 
Whereas Bob Melvin now has a really rested bullpen for, for the golf course the next three months. Yeah, you can enjoy that. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on this Tuesday night. Of all the Phillies, and let's not lie, let's not pretend, we doubted them. I doubted them. Tucker doubted them. You doubted them. Which one? Which Of all of them, which one has proven you the most wrong this postseason? I went with John Middleton because I questioned if he was a good owner. Not if he didn't wouldn't spend money. Not if he was – I never thought he was a bad owner. But did he know what he was doing? Could he hire the right people, get this thing up and running and built the right way? Well, they're in the World Series. His money – drove this thing. He paid $100 million for Zach Wheeler, more than that. He landed Bryce Harper, who just had one of the great postseasons in the history of baseball. He gave the $80 million to Kyle Schrober. As this farm system struggled because the original hires by Middleton of Clintac and McPhail failed. He didn't just say, uh-oh, what are we going to do? No, he went out and spent to put this thing on track. He and he got Dombrowski to come in here, even though Dombrowski didn't seem like he was really chomping at the bit to come back and run a team again while he was in Nashville building a house and get ready for an expansion. He got Dombrowski to come in here and put the finishing touch on this thing. I was most wrong about John Middleton. Tucker chose Bryce Harper. How about you? 215-592-9494. Which Philly proved you the most wrong over the course of this season? And when we get back, two things that really – like, we're talking about this team of destiny, meant to be stuff. There's two major things that happened this year. And if it wasn't for these things, the Phillies would not be in the World Series. We'll hit that next. I want your phone calls. 215-592-9494 on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino, America's number one sports. Because right now, new customers getting no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win sign up promo code chilio look fanduel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay and with live betting you get updated odds on games that have already started all an app that's safe secure and super easy to use i love the fanduel app fanduel sportsbook is the official partner of 94 wip so sign up today promo code chilio for your no sweat first bet that's promo code g-i-g-l-i-o make every moment more this season with fanduel Official sportsbook partner of the NFL.